Open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's where we are. Uh, we are going to finish up chapter 12 today, and we are in week three of uh, the series that we're doing, uh, where we're walking through 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14, and we are talking about uh, spiritual gifts and what it means to actually receive and have spiritual gifts and actually walk uh, in the power of the Holy Spirit and do uh, what God gifted us and created us and put us here uh, to do. And I think this is a very, very important thing to be talking about. Um, really quickly, what are we talking about when we talk about spiritual gifts? Well, we believe uh, that Jesus came fully God, fully man, uh, and operated in the power of God, the Holy Spirit. He walked the earth, uh, and he came to inaugurate uh, the kingdom of God on earth and to display the power and the authority uh, of God over sin and death and sickness and evil and all these things. And he walked the earth. He did this ministry where he went around healing the sick. He went around casting out demons. Uh, and ultimately, he displayed his power and authority uh, over sin and death by living the perfect life, dying a sacrificial, atoning death in our place on the cross, and then raising to new life, defeating death, walking out of the grave. And he did those things empowered by uh, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, and he uh, handpicked 12 disciples or apostles uh, to be sent out in that same power and to do those works of power uh, like he did. And the point was to go and push back evil in the world and advance uh, the kingdom of God and display the power and the authority and the love of God uh, in the world. And after Jesus was raised to life, uh, he appeared uh, in his resurrected form. Uh, to many of his followers, and before he ascended uh, to go and be with the Father where he is now, still today, alive and well, uh, he said to them, I'm leaving you, but don't worry, I'm not leaving you alone and hopeless. I'm going to pour out that same Spirit that empowers me, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pour it out on you, my followers, so that it might fill you and you go into the world and continue this ministry that I started, that you might go into the world in the power of God and do these things like I did to push back darkness, to advance the kingdom of God, to show the authority of Christ over sin and death. And so that's what happened. He ascended, he's with the Father now, and he poured out his spirit. And we see in Acts and then through the rest of the New Testament, uh, the followers of Jesus are filled with the Holy Spirit of God and they go out in power and they go and cast out demons and they go and heal the sick, the lepers, the paralyzed, the blind. They go and do these amazing works of God. And they go and plant churches and introduce people to Jesus and preach the gospel and people get saved and healed and meet God and it's beautiful. And we believe that that same thing uh, is still happening today, that every follower, every believer in Jesus Christ is filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, first of all, to produce the fruit of the Spirit in us, so to work in us and sanctify us and make us more like Jesus. And then also the Spirit gives us gifts, gifts of the Holy Spirit, charismata, grace gifts, that we might open them and identify them and use them and walk in power and continue to this day, moving forward, continue the ministry that Jesus started. And so that's why we have these gifts. So every man, woman, and child, every race, every nationality, every socioeconomic status, it doesn't matter if you are a believer in Jesus. This thing happens where you have natural gifts that, that God gave you when you were born, abilities and proclivities and things that you like to do. But then as John talks about in John 3, when you are born again by the Spirit of God, the second birth, the Spirit gives you these gifts 
that are not your natural gifts, but the gifts that you receive when the Spirit comes upon you and you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he gives us these gifts so that we actually use them and operate in them and go out and do the work that God has created us and called us uh, to do. And so that's gifts of the Spirit. And Lee, over the last two weeks, he gave a really wonderful overview of what these gifts are and how we are kind of to use them in unison in the body. Paul gives this imagery of the church as the body of Christ, all working together as one unit. And so what I want to do today is now go back over this list of what the gifts actually are that we see in chapter 12 and actually just delve into them a little bit. Just go boots on the ground, really practical and take a really quick look at what each of these gifts are, what they mean, and how we can start to identify if you have this gift. Because Paul tells us that not everybody has all of the gifts, but every single one of us, if you are a Christian, you have at least one gift of the Spirit. And so the point is that we need to actually figure out what our gift or our gifts are so that we can start to use them. And so let's read our passage. We're going to start at verse 27 and read through the end to verse uh, 31 of chapter 12. It says this, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. So Paul starts off by reintroducing us like he did last week to this imagery of the body. He says, you are the body. And that word you, it's plural. So he's talking to the whole church, you, all of you, every single one of you, you are the body. And that word you is also emphatic. He wants to tell us something. It's action. He wants us to do something. So he's saying you are are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And just really quickly by way of review, uh, what Paul is getting at here is I think he's fighting against three uh, mentalities that I think can so easily creep into the church. He's fighting against inferiority, he's fighting against a mentality of superiority, and he's fighting against a mentality of complacency. And so inferiority, what does that mean? It means that some of us, like some people in the Corinthian church, because they didn't have the showy upfront gifts, maybe speaking gifts, gifts of preaching, teaching, leading worship, things like that. Maybe they were the more behind the scenes kind of serving, helping, administrating sort of gifts that people don't really see and recognize all the time that maybe the world doesn't consider super important. Those people would have been considering themselves not as important to the body of Christ, to the church. And maybe uh, that causes them to shy away from actually walking in power and actually trying to use these gifts and do something and participate in the activity and the building up of the church and the ministry of, of Christ in the world. And so what Paul is saying is, no, the foot can't say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not important to the body. That's what he said last week. And he said, uh, the ear can't say, uh, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong in the body and I'm not important, so I'm just not going to do anything. His whole point is we as a church, as believers gifted by the spirit are one body and the body is a unit that all works together, right? It just makes sense. If the whole body was just a bunch of feet, we could walk a lot of places, but we wouldn't do much else, right? If we were all just, if the body was a big clump of eyeballs, we could see, but we wouldn't really do much else, right? It makes no sense. The body is a bunch of different parts, all doing their job, working together. And Paul's point is that we need each other. So what would happen if Because you can't see our kidneys, your kidneys, your liver, your lungs, whatever, your heart, what if those things stopped 
working because they were just like, oh, I don't need to do anything. I'm not being noticed, right? You wouldn't last long. Paul's saying every part of the body is essential, important. We all need each other. There's no time to sit around like, you know, a bratty child on their birthday who opens a gift and starts crying and whining and goes, oh, I wanted something else, right? Gifts are given by the wisdom of God. Your gifts were given to you by God who is perfect in wisdom, who knows you better than you even know yourself. And he gave you whatever gift or gifts you have for a reason so that you actually walk in them and use them. So Paul's pushing back against this inferiority complex. He's pushing back against this superiority complex as well, where some of the Corinthians with the more upfront gifts, such as preaching and teaching and things that are more obvious, they might've been saying, I'm more important than these people with the less noticeable gifts. And Paul is reminding them that these are charismata. They are grace gifts. You did absolutely nothing to deserve the gifts. God in his wisdom and his graciousness gave you the gifts. That's the point of grace gifts. You didn't earn them. God gave them to you and your job is no more important, although it might be more noticeable, it is no more important than the people with less noticeable gifts. And then thirdly, Paul's pushing back against a mentality of complacency. So this emphatic you that he gives, you are the body of Christ, you are to do your job His point is that we all have gifts. Nobody has all of them. We all have some of them. And so this whole thing as a unit only will work when everybody does their job, right? It just makes sense. Everybody has to actually pull their weight and do their job for the body to function. The organs have to function, the hands, the feet, the eyes, the ears. Everybody has to actually do their job or the body won't work, Right? And so if you are a limb or a part of the body that just decides you don't need to do uh, what you're gifted uh, and empowered to do, you're actually dead weight. So you know this, if you've ever had a broken limb, like a broken arm or a broken leg that's been in a cast and just absolutely useless, that limb is still part of the body, but it's not actually doing what it's designed to do. You're in a cast, you can't even use it. It's not taking any of your weight. Okay? It's not helping you at all, but it's still using up resources and energy uh, and all these things in your body. And it's still part of you. Paul's kind of saying that's, that's what you're like if you are part of the church, but you're just a consumer. You're just watching. You're sitting back. You're not recognizing your gifts. You're not walking in them and using them. You're just sitting on it, what God gave you, and you're letting everybody else do their job and serve and do ministry in the world. You're actually kind of dead weight on the body. And so he's saying you need to recognize that every single one of you is a part of this to do the work of ministry of Christ in the world. Ephesians 4 tells us this. It says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to what? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are uh, to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So what does Paul say? He says these gifts, these roles in the church, the evangelists, the prophets, the the teachers, all these things are given by God to what? To equip who? The saints for the work 
of ministry. So the work of ministry is not just the work of trained and paid professionals, the staff of a church, whatever. Paul's, Paul's big idea is that all of you, every single one of you, if you are a Christian, your call is to do the work of ministry. And what does he say? He says, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. When each part is working properly. So his point is that every single one of us, we are given gifts by the Holy Spirit. Gifts, gifts. You open a gift, right? You're not given a gift and you just put it in the closet, maybe if it's a really bad gift, but you open a gift and you use it, right? That's the whole idea. And so we are, every single one of us, given gifts so that we actually recognize them and use them and hone them and refine them and actually walk in them to do the ministry that Christ has called us to And so the question is, what are these gifts? We're going to go through the list and how can we actually recognize if we have them and start to walk in them? And as I just go through these, um, I would just ask you to to be thinking and praying uh, and asking yourself, "Is, is this me? Is this description me? Do I maybe have this gift? Do I have a few of these gifts? And to be praying and thinking, how might God be calling me to actually start walking in this and using this to serve the church to build up the body and to actually go out into the world so that more people can meet Jesus, have their lives transformed by Jesus, become more like Jesus uh, in the world, and this whole thing can work as it's supposed to. Okay, so I'm going to go back to uh, the first half of the list that we saw in chapter 12, verse 8 to 10. It says this. It says, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit. So that first gift is the utterance of wisdom, the utterance of knowledge. These two are closely joined. Most scholars would say they're very, very similar, not a whole lot of difference uh, between them. Uh, But this is the gift of being able to speak the wisdom of God. It's the utterance of wisdom. So being able to speak the wisdom of God into the lives of the people around you in a way that actually lines up with the scripture. So it's not this wacky, uh, extra revelation that doesn't line up with the Bible, but it's the ability given by the Spirit to actually know your Bible, to know the wisdom and the truth of God, and to be able to speak it at a particular time into the life of somebody in order to help them, guide them, become more like Jesus, and to grow in Christian maturity. And so it's the kind of wisdom that you can speak into someone's life where they'll actually take it and it'll be practical. It gives them something to do with it and it will help them in their immediate need and their immediate circumstances. So it's providing guidance and providing action points, a way forward for them. So if you think about wisdom uh, literature in the Bible, so the book of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Job, Psalms, okay, these books are very, very, very practical right? They don't just give these lofty theological concepts. Proverbs, if you think about it, it talks all about, hey, this is what you do uh, with relationships. This is what you do uh, with sex. This is what you do with money. This is how you be a good husband. This is how you be a good wife. This is how you do business and finances and all these things. And this gift, the utterance of wisdom, is the ability to take those things, to actually process them, and then at an opportune time, right when somebody needs it, to be able to share and to speak that wisdom of God, of the scriptures, empowered by the Spirit uh, into somebody's life in a way that really helps them. And so do you have this gift? Do people come to you for wisdom? Do they come to you for advice? When they have a big decision that they need to make, when they're really struggling with something, are you somebody that they seek out and ask, hey, what does the Bible say about this? What does God have to say about this thing? These people make amazing biblical counselors 
Uh, They make amazing mentors and people who disciple others. And we need these people in the church to come alongside of people, to shepherd them, to say, hey, let's go for coffee. I know you're dealing with this. I know this is your life circumstance right now. How can I come alongside you and help you? This is the gift of wisdom. It's the ability to speak the wisdom of God into someone's life to help them move forward and become more like Christ and mature and make godly decisions. And then the utterance of knowledge, similar, it's this ability given by the Spirit to have your your eyes opened, illuminated to the truth of God in the Scripture. So if you have this ability to just really understand and grasp what you read in here, what's taught, just really be able to grasp it and process it and go, this is what God is saying. And this is what God wants to say to his people. It's similar to the gift of teaching, but it's just this ability to know, to know what God is saying, to understand the truth of the scriptures. And this also might be, uh, you see instances of this in the scriptures, uh, a a spirit-given knowledge, uh, something that the spirit reveals about somebody or about their situation that you couldn't have otherwise known. So you see instances uh, of this happen in Acts, where Paul sees a paralytic, and the paraly- paralytic <clears throat> excuse me, doesn't say anything, but Paul sees God gives him, the Spirit gives him the revelation that this paralytic has the faith uh, to be healed. And so he's healed. And you see this uh, actually, I think, really in the life of Daniel. We just studied the book of Daniel, where Daniel has this God-given, Spirit-given ability to speak into the lives of these kings. He has the ability to interpret their dreams and to say, this is really confusing, but this is what God wants to say to you through this. And this is what you need to do. If you remember Belshazzar, he has this really wacky dream and he goes to Daniel. He seeks him out as a man of wisdom and knowledge to interpret that dream for him. And Daniel's able to speak the truth of God uh, into his life. So do you have the gift of the utterance of wisdom or knowledge? The next thing that we see here in the list is eight utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit. Verse nine to another faith. By the same spirit. So the next gift uh, is this gift of faith. And this is not the same thing as the gift of faith that every single believer in Christ has, this saving faith where we are saved by grace, by believing uh, in Christ and he makes us new, regenerates us, gives us a new, new heart and a new life. Not the same. This is the gift uh, that you see all through scripture where somebody has a spirit given uh, just a rock solid, steadfast trust and belief in God based off of what he has done and what he will do. So the person with the gift of faith is able to believe and trust God for big things. This person, uh, when everybody else is ready to pack it in and go home and give up, this person has the ability by the Spirit to say, no, God is going to come through. He has come through before. Look at what he has done. He is going to do this thing. He's going to come through where somebody might say, this person is so far from God, my friend, and I just want them to meet Jesus, but it's just not going to happen. They're so far gone. This person with the gift of faith says, no, God can save that person. He will save that person. Let's believe. Let's pray into that. When there's a diagnosis and it looks awful and it's cancer, it's whatever, and it looks hopeless and it's like this person is is not going to make it. They're, They're done. God can't heal them, whatever. This person with the gift of faith says, no, we don't say that. Okay, we're going to keep praying into this. God has healed and he can heal again. It's this, just this confidence. One, uh, one theologian has called it this mysterious surge of supernatural confidence by the word of God that comes upon a man and enables him to transfer that faith and that courage to the believers around him. So are you somebody that has this gift that when everybody else is ready to pack it in and go home, 
You're saying, no, we need to keep praying. God has done big things. He's going to keep doing big things. Are you somebody that people go to when they are struggling and say, man, I need you to pray for me. I'm not believing God for this. I'm not trusting God for this right now. It looks hopeless. Can you pray for me? Do people seek you out for that? Do you have this just supernatural spirit-given ability to just instill faith and confidence in who God is to the people around you? And this is, by the way, not a, sometimes these people can be a little bit annoying. This is, this is my gift, one of my gifts. And my wife hates it because <laughs> she's like, I'm moving from Australia. I'm getting on a plane tomorrow. What, what's our plan? And I'm like, God's got you, don't worry. And she's like, no, no, I know, but what's the plan? She's an administrator. She's like, what's the plan? Uh, don't worry. You got a place to live. We have grocery stores. You'll be fine. You know, God's got it. God's going to be there for you. He's always been there for you. He's, he's got you. But this is not a, like just a superficial, cheesy, like, oh, yep, God's got you. Don't worry. This is a rock solid I have seen God work. I know the scriptures. I've seen him deliver his people. I've seen him work with power in my life, in the lives of the people around me. He can do this. It's knowing who God is and knowing what he is capable of and just this ability to speak that and to bring that, uh, that hope and that trust to the people around you when they are needing it. Do you have the gift of faith? The next thing in the list here. To another, a gift of faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing. We're going to come back to that one by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. We'll come back to that one as well. To another, prophecy. We'll come back to that. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. Okay, so that's the next one. The gift to distinguish between spirits. And this is the Spirit-given gift of being able to discern the origin, the authority, and the application of a message. Okay, so the ability to hear something or to read something, whether it's preached from the pulpit or whether you read it in a book or at a conference or whatever it might be, this is the ability that the Spirit gives you to discern. This, these are the kinds of questions that, that these people ask and are able to answer. They're able to hear or read something and say, is this prophecy in line with Scripture? Is this false teaching or prophecy? Is this truly a spirit-given word of knowledge or wisdom, or is it simply someone's own thoughts, as well-intentioned as they might be? Is this of the Lord, or is this of the enemy? Is this of the spirit, or is this demonic activity? So these people, if you have this gift, you can read a book, you can hear a sermon, you can whatever, and just have this knowledge of, I think this is, this is from God. This is good. Or you, you have the ability to say, I think this person is a false teacher. We need to be careful of them. They can identify false teaching uh, and call that out. And we need this in the church. These people are able to protect the church, to uh, protect younger believers who are new in the faith and are just starting to grow and learn. They're able to come alongside of them and say, man, I don't think you should read that book. I know there's a really nice looking, very smiley guy with a nice suit on the cover, uh, but don't read that one. <laughs> Here, I'll give you a better one right? They can discern whether this is from God or not. And they also have often an an ability to uh, discern. They have this sensitivity uh, to uh, the spiritual realm that we know is a real thing from all the New Testament, particularly Ephesians chapter 6, where Paul talks about uh, spiritual warfare and spiritual battle, that there is this very real spiritual realm. These people have a sensitivity uh, to that. They can walk into a room and sometimes discern maybe something wonky, something evil of the enemy is going on here. They can come alongside somebody who might be oppressed by, you know, we sometimes think about demonic activity as like these crazy possession stories and people 
crawling on the walls and pea soup and vomiting and all this weird demonic stuff. I think a lot of the activity that is uh, demonic, that is of the enemy, is just people believing lies of the enemy. The, Satan is called the father of lies, of deception. He wants you to believe things that are not true. And this person has, with this gift, has the ability to distinguish truth from untruth. And I think sometimes demonic or evil oppression can happen where if you have allowed through habitual sin and through uh, just denying God and through uh, just certain habits and things and lifestyle things where you are, um, you are working against the spirit and indulging in the flesh in certain sins where there can be oppression that happens, where evil is pressing on your mind, where it is causing depression, anxiety, things like that. And this person with this gift has the ability to distinguish that, where they can come alongside of somebody and go, hey, I think this has maybe happened to you and we need to pray about this and we need to ask God to just make you new and make you clean. And, and they can come alongside and help people uh, walking through that. So they have this sensitivity to the spiritual realm. They have this ability to distinguish uh, spirits. Again, we'll come back to those ones that I skipped over, but let's jump forward now uh, back to our passage, verse 28. It says, And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. And then he goes on to list the other ones. So at first glance, it might look like Paul uh, is ranking uh, these next gifts, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. But if you think about it, that actually would fly right directly in the face of what he has been teaching this whole time so far, where he's been teaching no one gift is more important and of more value than the others, and no one person is more important than any other person. Uh, it's just, it's grace gifts. God decides in his wisdom and his love who's going to get what, what gift. So it would make no sense for him to now go, well, you know, apostles are the most important, then prophets, and then teachers, and then so on, and the rest of them are just okay, right? That would make no sense. Okay, so that's not what he's doing. What he's actually doing is listing the gifts in chronological order, and we actually saw that uh, in the, the chapter, the, the passage in Ephesians 4 that I read. He does the same thing, where he lists apostles, prophets, evangelists, uh, shepherds, and teachers, and then he lists some of the other gifts He's giving them in chronological order. So this is how uh, the church is actually established and laid out. So you have the apostles who go and break new ground for the gospel and they go and plant churches and start something up and get a team together and do that, right? And then you have the prophets who come in and they speak the word of God. They proclaim it, the truth of God into that circumstance where people are saved, where people repent of sin uh, and start following Jesus. Then you have this core of people that gets together and then you need uh, the teachers, third, to come in and start laying down good theology and good doctrine and teaching the scriptures and providing this foundation, right? And then the church can go on, the other gifts become operative, and so on, and it flows like that. Okay, and so the first thing Paul says, apostles, okay, we need to distinguish uh, with this gift uh, between the office of the apostle and the gift. So the office of the apostle was the 12 that Jesus handpicked and appointed and gave them authority, that's the disciples, to go out and do these works of power um, by the Spirit, and these people had uh, a special authority given by Christ himself, to go and write books of the Bible, okay, to go and do things with a certain special kind of authority. They could write uh, inerrant, sufficient, perfect things, and we have the apostles' teaching is what we call the New Testament. That's the office of apostle, and we believe that that office is closed. There are churches and denominations who believe that the office of apostle is still operative. Um, you get into some really dicey, dangerous territory there because that means the things that those people say, you should probably write it down and tuck it into the back of your Bible and add it to scripture. 
But we read in Revelation that this is complete, it's closed, it is not to be added to or taken away from. And so the office of apostle, the qualification for that was that you walked with Jesus, you saw Jesus, you saw the things that he did, you were a witness of his life, death, resurrection. Paul is included uh, in this often because he was a witness to the resurrected Christ and was inspired by the Spirit to write the books of the New Testament that he wrote. Okay, other than that, that office is closed, but the gift of the apostle. So apostle, literally, it's the word apostolos. It just means a sent out one. So in one sense, every single Christian is, is a sent out one, right? Jesus gives the great commission. We are all to go, right, to the nations to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So in a way, we are all, you know, have this apostolic calling, but there is a special apostolic gifting uh, that we do see in the New Testament, <clears throat> and it looks like uh, some people have called it the missionary gift. So it's this ability given by the Spirit, and you see this most clearly, I think, in Paul, and, uh, where he goes and he's able to go into new contexts. He's able to, to minister cross-culturally and break new ground for the gospel. So he's able to go and uh, do cultural exegesis, it's called, where we, you, we go in and we observe the culture, we observe the food and the music and the people and the customs and the stories, what these people are like, and we're able to interpret that and, and envision uh, this is the kind of church, this is how we would contextualize the gospel here. This is what a church of Christ might look like in this place. And they're able to contextualize the gospel and speak the gospel in a way that is uh, clear and relevant uh, and powerful and impactful for that certain group of people. And so Paul, you saw this, he's able to go in, he's able to go uh, and talk philosophy uh, in Greece, where he's before the Areopagus, he goes uh, and he's talking philosophy and Greek mythology and philosophy, and he's able to quote uh, these Greek poets uh, that the, the Greek philosophers knew, and he's able to say, but there's one God that you've labeled the unknown God, that God that you're seeking is Jesus, and he is Lord of all, and you can be saved through him. And so he's able to go and just get right in there, be one with the people, speak their language, and contextualize. And some of us probably have that gift where you're able to go and hang out with, you know, people who like different music. You're able to go and hang out with different cultures and cross cultural or subcultural barriers and go and bring the truth of the gospel and contextualize it uh, to those people. And so people with the gift of the apostle, they're able to, uh, they think systematically, they uh, have big vision. They're able to go, uh, you know, from 30,000 feet up, they're able to go, this is what a church might look like in this area. This is how we're going to go and plant it. They're able to gather a team together and share the vision and get people on board with the vision and let's go and do it. They systematize, they, they put structures in place uh, to be able to go and do that. They're able to pioneer new, movement, <clears throat> new movements, pardon me. And so they are often church planters. Uh, they're often leading networks of churches and church planters and they provide this visionary leadership. It's this missionary sort of gift. And so do you have that calling on your life? Do you have that gift where you're able to go, where you have this burning in you to start new ministries, start new initiatives, to get a team together, to have this vision of like, oh man, what would it look like to plant a church in this area or this area? You might be called to plant a church. You might be called to go overseas. And we need people operating in this gift uh, in the church. Uh, The next thing is prophecy. Okay, and so I won't go too deep into this gift because uh, Lee is going to hit chapter 14 a bit later, and it's all about tongues and prophecy, so I won't go uh, too deep into those ones. Uh, But this, again, we have to distinguish between the office and the gift. So the office of the prophet uh, were those people like Jeremiah and Ezekiel and the other prophets who were given, again, the authority by God to say, thus saith the Lord, these are the words of God, this is what God is saying. And they spoke perfect, sufficient, authoritative things 
that we again have in our Bible as the Old Testament, and their standard for whether or not they were speaking from God was 100% accuracy or they were to be killed. So that's part of how we know they were speaking from God, is that everything that they said and prophesied had to come to pass or the stakes were pretty high, right? And so some people, again, still believe that this office is open, that people are in the office of prophet. Same thing, we would say, no, this office uh, has closed uh, with the canon of scripture. And so the, the New Testament gift of prophecy uh, is simply to know and to speak and articulate the truth of the word of God empowered by the spirit to people. So to know and to speak the word of God. And this often happens through preaching. Uh, so, you know, when Lee's up here and he's proclaiming the truth of the scriptures, the spirit takes it and applies it in a, in a special and unique and powerful way to your heart where it convicts you of sin and changes you and calls you to move forward in your relationship with Christ and tells you what you need to do. That's prophecy happening. And it also happens uh, in one-on-one relationships. It happens in smaller settings, not just preaching, where uh, if you have this gift, um, God will often uh, put scriptures on your heart. So it always, we always have to line it up with scripture. Right? And so it's not this ability uh, to basically have a crystal ball and be able to tell somebody the future. It's this ability by the Spirit to just have the Word of God, the truth of the Scriptures, in a special, unique way placed on your heart to share with somebody in a way that just hits home for them. It hits them in the heart and impacts them the way that God wants to do something with it. And so this, this can be a little, bit, a little bit weird. We can think a bit weirdly about this because it often is abused and used so poorly. Like I, I've had so many times where this has happened. Um, one that, that comes to mind is I, I brought my friend who was a brand new Christian. We went to this uh, church that was very charismatic, but they believed uh, that prophecy was basically being able to ch- tell the future, to lay hands on somebody and tell them what was going to happen. And my buddy, who's a brand new Christian, um, he was in school to become a teacher, just beautiful gifts that he's operating and learning and, you know, figuring out how to function in his life. And, you know, he's, he's doing really good. And I just remember we were walking out of this auditorium after a worship service and these guys stopped us and they're like, God wants to tell you something. And he lays hands on my buddy and he goes, God is saying right now, you better listen. God is saying that you need to quit whatever you're doing right now and your career is going to be as a musician. And my buddy's looking at me like, really? Like, do I need to listen to this? And I'm like, I just sat in the car with you for 12 hours, listened to you sing. Like, no, <laughs> not a chance. But he, he was so, this guy was so serious. Like, this is what you need to do. You're, God's telling me your career is going to be in music. And it's stuff like that where, you know, prophecy is not, it's not fortune telling. It's not a crystal ball. It's not tarot cards, Right? It's the ability that the Spirit gives you to know and just discern the Word of God that He wants to share uh, with somebody in a way that has power. Uh, The next gift is teaching. And this is the ability that the Spirit gives to take in and process lofty, complicated uh, information, doctrine, theology, big ideas, and to boil them down and, you know, work with them and break them down and be able to communicate them in a way that is clear and understandable for the people of God so that they can be edified and grow uh, in their maturity in Christ, right? And so teachers are always thinking when they're listening or reading, reading something, whatever, they're always thinking, how would I break this down? How would I teach it? How would I share this with people in a way that is accessible? Uh, and Lee is somebody that, that has this gift beautifully and practices it. So this looks like 
we're sitting in the office and, you know, we're studying Daniel and these big, complicated, crazy prophecies and dreams going on. And Lee will come into my office in the morning and be like, I just, I'm not sure. I just, I don't know where we're going to go this week. I don't know what to teach from this, whatever. And then like an hour later, I'll go in and talk to him and he'll be like, yeah, I broke it down into eight points. They all start with R and there's all this perfect alliteration. Here's the sub point A, B, C, the next point A, B, C. And I'm like, how did you do that in an hour? (laughs) What on earth? That's the, the gift of a teacher, right? You can take these big, lofty, complicated concepts, theology, doctrine, and you can break it down and communicate it. That's a key thing. You can actually communicate it in a way that is clear and understandable. So I will say not everybody with the gift of knowledge has the gift of teaching, right? So just because you like to read really big, thick books with a ton of footnotes does not necessarily mean you have the gift of teaching. I have been so excited before for Uh, at at seminary for professors to come in and give a guest lecture. And these are the guys that have written the textbooks that we're studying. And I'm so excited. And then I sit there and I'm just like, how can I slip out of this auditorium with nobody noticing me? This guy is so boring. He cannot communicate. He's just reading his footnotes. I could have done this at home, right? That's not the gift of teaching. That might be the gift of knowledge, but it's not the gift of teaching. This is communicating in a way that is accessible to people. And so the question is, do people come to you to explain tough things, tough concepts? Do they come to you to explain doctrine and theology and other things like that? Are you somebody who loves to study and then who loves to be able to, do you you live for the light bulb moments? Do you live for those moments where you can help somebody just click and get it? You might have this gift and we need this in the church. This doesn't just happen from the pulpit. Um, You'd make an amazing community group leader or just someone to come alongside of and disciple people and teach them the scriptures, walk alongside of new believers and teach them good theology, good doctrine, who God is. You need to be operating in this. The next is uh, the gift of miracles. So this word in the Greek is not literally miracles. It is literally works of power. And so this is when the spirit gifts somebody to be able to work in a way that is unexpected for the glory of God in the world, right? And this can be anything from healings to exorcisms to the dead being raised to you know, something as simple as special discernment of somebody else's needs. And the problem with the word miracle is all the stuff that's packed into it uh, in our modern day context where uh, it's kind of this dualistic idea that we have where uh, God is basically just the watchmaker God where he, at the beginning of time, he set the clock and then stepped back and he's just watching it go and he's uninvolved and he's not involved in the day-to-day. And then sometimes through a miracle or a big supernatural work, he will step in and do something crazy. And that's a miracle. That's kind of the idea that the world has if they believe in God. Um, But really that that idea is foreign to the scriptures. The scriptures teach a God who is intimately involved in the day-to-day life. I have breath in my lungs right now because God willed it to be so. He put it there. The trees and the grass and the flowers are growing because God is pushing along the natural laws and the biological processes that he wanted to happen. So he's doing it. He's intimately involved. And this gift of the Spirit is just when uh, the Spirit, you know, gives you an ability to see works of power happen, to see God work in a way that he does not normally work, right? And so it's not always the biggest, craziest thing, but it's just God working through you to see somebody healed, to see uh, an addiction broken, to, uh, to just know supernaturally that somebody needs you, that somebody needs a word of encouragement, they need uh, resources, they need whatever, Uh, It's the Spirit just working through you uh, to see these works of power happen. And I think healing the next gift uh, is a big part of that. Um, And so again, this is another one that gets a little bit wacky and gets misused. 
Um, but this gift of healing, it's actually in the Greek, again, it's gifts, plural, of healings. So you don't see that in the text, um, the way it's translated, but in the Greek, gifts and healings, both plural. And so that's actually really important because uh, the idea is that no one person, if they, you know, God decides to give them uh, these gifts and work through them in this way, no one person is now a healer because God has decided at times to work healing through them. The idea is that the healings that happen when God decides to heal through your prayers and laying on hands, these are the gifts. And so God still decides when he's going to do it, when he's not going to do it. So it's not like somebody who believes they have this gift can just walk around universally and heal any affliction at any time that they want. This is God, the Spirit, choosing to give you a prompting that, wow, I need to pray for this person. I need to go to the hospital. I need to go to the bedside and actually pray for this person's healing. And then sometimes when God chooses, he actually will work and heal. And so the question for you to to think about, do you maybe have this, is do you have a special heart and a special deep compassion for the sick and the physically hurting? Does your heart just break for these people? And do you feel this conviction to actually come alongside of them, join them, pray for them, lay hands on them? And do you sometimes see God heal miraculously uh, through that? You might have this gift. And we, I think we need to practice this uh, a little bit more in the church. And even this is in James, we see this is something that the pastors do. And this is something we would love to do for you. If you need healing, it doesn't have to be a weird thing, but just come and we will we'll anoint you with oil and we'll lay hands on you and we'll just pray. We'll just ask God if he would do this work, that if he, it's his will, he would provide gifts of healing, that he would heal your body. And uh, I, I believe that I have seen him do this. All right, next thing. We need to keep moving real fast. All right, next gift is helping. Uh, there's also another gift elsewhere in the Bible that says serving. I think these two are linked very closely. This is the heart that the Spirit gives you to just show up and say what needs to be done. I'll do anything, right? It doesn't have to be my passion. It doesn't have to be something that just like, you know, makes me happy all the time. These are people who have the gift of just being willing to get their hands dirty, roll up their sleeves. They don't like to always be up front. They usually like to not be up front. In fact, they like to be behind the scenes doing the grunt work. What can I do? What needs to happen? Right? And these people are so beautiful. They display the heart of Christ, right? Who came not to be served, but to serve. Even though he was God, he came to serve and to lay down his life. And these people just have this special ability to show up and go, what needs doing? How can I help? Right? And so if that's you, if you're just always you know, wanting to help, wanting to serve, wanting to get involved, and you don't really care what it is, man, send us an email. We'll give you something to do. Because <laughs> um, there's so much that needs to be done. And you know, this is where you, know, if somebody, you see somebody struggling, where the prophet might just shout a Bible verse at them. The apostle doesn't even notice that they're struggling because they're off doing something else. The teacher comes alongside and is like, hey, let me show you and teach you a better way to do that. The helper will come alongside and say, hey, how can I help take the load with you? Right, so do you have this gift? Do you feel called to just serve and help? Just get involved and to just do what needs to be done. Uh, Next is administrating, the gift of administration. Okay, and so this is the gift that the Spirit gives of being able to bring order out of chaos. So do you have this deep inclination in your heart where you just love to bring order out of chaos? This kind of person loves Excel spreadsheets. They just love them. And they like to organize, they like to systematize where the dreamer, where the person with faith or the apostle has the vision. This is the person who says, okay, that's great, great vision. How are we going to do it? Right? And the word that in the Greek that's used there for this word, it's helmsman. So it's a word that's used for the person who steers the ship. Right? And so this isn't just a 
behind the scenes, like kind of unimportant thing where you're doing some spreadsheets. This is literally how can we put systems and strategies in place to get the church to where it needs to go and where it wants to go. This is an amazing gift. And if you have this gift, uh, you need to be using it because it is vital to the smooth operation of the church and accomplishing goals uh, in the church. And the last one I'll leave, because uh, it's the fun one, I'll leave it mostly for Lee, is the gift of tongues. <laughs> um, and one, one theologian says, this is the last one in the list because it's the troublesome little brother. Causes all the problems. Um, but basically there are two types of the gift of tongues that we see in scripture. Um, one is the supernatural ability given by the spirit to speak uh, actual known languages uh, that somebody hasn't studied or learned. Right? So we see this in missionary context where somebody goes overseas and the Spirit you know, gives them the ability to speak a language that they haven't learned in order to articulate the message of the gospel uh, and preach it to these people so that they can know Christ and be saved. Uh, and then we see another version of it, uh, I think, where it is a, uh, a prayer to God. It's this uh, heavenly language, angelic language, where you are praying to God uh, and There is a gift of interpretation that can be somebody else who has the gift of interpretation, but it can also be the person who is speaking in tongues has the ability to then interpret uh, what is being said. Uh, And it's important to note, Lee will talk more about this in chapter 14, but this gift is, you know, not to be just used out of control in the public worship uh, because Paul says then non-believers will come in and see it and they'll think you're hammered. Uh, So don't do that. And there are additional gifts. Um, I won't go through them because we're out of time, but I will just point you, if you want to read more on this, um, there's the list in Ephesians 4. Um, Paul lists more of these. And again, in Romans 12, there's another list where he talks about the gift of exhortation, giving, leadership, and mercy. Uh, in Ephesians 4, uh, we didn't cover evangelism and shepherding, two of the gifts of the Spirit that are very important. Um, and so he just says in, in our passage again, in verse 29, Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? And these are rhetorical questions. The answer is a big emphatic no. Not everybody does all of these things. So the point is figure out the ones that you have and use them for the good of the body and the love of the community. Right, and so how does this come together? Just as you go, I would just ask that you be thinking and praying and fasting uh, and just think about Uh, Somebody said this. I think it's actually very true. Where you might need to serve is where your natural passion, natural ability, and then your Holy Spirit giftedness meet. Right? So think about the things that you're passionate about, the things that you are naturally good at and naturally inclined to do, and think about what your gift of the Spirit or gifts of the Spirit might be and walk in that. Also, talk to the people who know you best. Right, because you might think you have the gift of teaching or the gift of prophecy or whatever, and then your wife be like, "Not a chance! <laughs> what are you talking about? You don't have that." Right. So talk to the people who know you the best. And can I just say, as a church, can we call out and encourage these gifts when we see them in other people? Right. Community groups is an amazing place to do this. But when you, if you see somebody and you know somebody, and you're like, "Man, you have this! You have this gift! I see this in you!" I just want to encourage you to operate in that, to hone it, to refine it and actually use it. Um, Let's be a church that does that, right? And I guess just one last question. Are you bored or complacent with your Christianity right now? And my follow-up question would be, are you actually taking this seriously? The call to continue the Holy Spirit ministry of Jesus in the world, to push back darkness, to preach the gospel, to see people. Man, there are so many people around you who do not know Jesus, who need to see and experience the love 
of God through Christ who need the forgiveness of their sins. There are people, Christians around you, who need to be built up and encouraged and mature and be discipled. So are you actually using your gifts? Do you actually know what your gifts are and are you walking in that? And I just, I get so excited to think about the dent, the impact that we can make as a church uh, when we actually take this seriously and start walking in that for the mission of Christ in the world and for the glory of God. So I'll just pray to that end. Lord, thank you so much that you have not left us alone and helpless, that you have uh, poured out your spirit on us to make us more like you, but to give us the power to go out and continue the mission that you started. And so I just pray, Lord, that you would help us uh, to recognize what those gifts are and to actually walk in them, that you'd bring people along to encourage us in those gifts and that you would show us uh, right now as we think about and reflect on these things, show us where we need to serve, show us who we need to come alongside of, show us what we need to do uh, so that more people can meet you and be saved and grow to be more like you and that your glory can shine in the world. In Jesus' name, amen.